Did you bring your Bible with you this morning? I hope you did. If so, you can turn so long to Ephesians chapter six. We'll get there in a few moments time. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, which we will have directly after the message, uh, I'd like to share brief with you, briefly with you what, have I, what I have entitled a few prophetic thoughts, a few prophetic thoughts. Sometimes it is just the right thing to take a whole passage of scripture and get into it and do exegesis from the word, and that is what we did last Sunday. Sometimes I feel stirred in my heart to just begin to put down things that are stirring in my heart related to where we are at this point in time. So a few prophetic thoughts that I'd like to share with you. There are five of these thoughts, and the first one is as follows. The attack is real. That's what I'm saying firstly. The attack is real. I wonder if you agree with me on what I'm saying there, if it witnesses uh, with you in your heart. And let me say that um, sometimes when things begin to happen in the world, we don't always clearly understand what's happening in that moment. But as we begin to incline our ear to the Lord and as we are sensitive to Him and let things settle and we process things in our hearts and spirit, I believe it becomes clearer to us. And the more that I have thought about this coronavirus pandemic, the more I am convinced, hear me here, the more I am convinced it is a spiritual attack against primarily the church of Jesus Christ in this nation and around the world. And I say that unapologetically. I say that with a sense of conviction in my heart. Let me just emphasize that that it is a spiritual attack from the enemy against the church of Jesus Christ and the world at large. I don't discount there is a real virus and in pathological labs they can test and analyze and they can see the specific virus. But I believe that behind that are spiritual forces of the enemy that are involved in bringing havoc and destruction in the world today. Now, when I say that the attack is real, I think most of you would know that I'm not a person that quickly mentions this thing of spiritual attack. I know some Christian friends of mine and they just, you know, the, the smallest thing happens and they say it's a spiritual attack, spiritual attack. It's like they're looking for spiritual attacks behind every bush. I'm not that kind of person. But surely this is an onslaught from the evil one. And we do not wanna give the enemy much credit at all. Definitely not. But surely if we are discerning things in the spiritual realm, we will realize that this is an onslaught from the evil one. Now, you're in Ephesians 6 already. Look at verse 12 and 13, and this deals and emphasizes the spiritual battle, the wrestle that we are in. I wanna tell you, if you just wanna be comfortable, your whole Christian walk with the Lord, it's not always gonna be just like that. We need to realize that we are in a spiritual battle and you and I are called to fight the good fight of faith. And one day you'll be able to say like Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I've done it. You know, I've carried my cross. I've fulfilled my destiny and my purpose and now I can go to be with the Lord. 
And it says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, for we do not, what's that next word? Wrestle. Please say that word. Wrestle. Say it again a little louder. Wrestle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. These are wicked hosts in the heavenly places. Therefore, child of God, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I love how God presents in Scripture many a time. He presents the problem, but then he presents the solution as well. He says that the battle is real. The onslaught is fierce. But know this, that you as my children are clothed in spiritual armor. And we should see ourselves as that, and we should consciously be clothed with the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth, the blessed prayer of righteousness, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel, etc. We should be ready, and we should stand, and praise God, we can withstand in this evil day because we are prepared by God, and amongst other things, we have the armor of God, and having done all, to stand. You might be listening to me today, and you are not standing. You are so beaten up and down and out, and you know, it looks like you're left for dead on the floor. Well, even though you might be feeling like that, I wanna encourage you through the word of God that you can begin to rise up, be strengthened in God, and you can stand firm in times of great adversity. You do not stand in your own strength and power. You stand in the power of the Almighty God. God knew that you could never do this in your own strength, so he gave his Holy Spirit to strengthen and empower you. Come on, say amen in Jesus' name. And so this virus has no doubt brought death and destruction, and isn't that just the enemy's strategy? That's what he does. The well-known scripture says in John 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Does that sound like a lot of what's been happening in the world at this point in time? It's part of the enemy's plan. Steal, kill, and destroy. But in the same breath, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I wanna make it clear that even in the times of great destruction in the world, God can still cause you to be in the secret place where you have an abundance of life. Not just a little bit of life, but you have life and you have it more abundantly because he hides you in the shelter of the Most High. He hides you in his pavilion. It is wonderful. That's why it says in Scripture, it says, darkness will cover the face of the earth and great darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, child of God. And so even though the wicked are getting more wicked, the righteous are walking more and more in their righteousness in Christ, and we are in a place of victory. Is anybody getting encouraged by this today? You should be, because it's the Word of God. But in terms of the attack being real, I wanna say something, listen very carefully. The enemy has specifically tried to hinder the worship of the church of Jesus Christ in this nation and around the world. Do you see it? 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is revealing and showing to the church. And as I began to think about this, it became so clear, it became a revelation to me that one of the greatest parts of the enemy's attack against the church is he is attacking the worship. If you thought about that, he is attacking the worship. Now let me tell you, Lucifer has always uh, desired worship. If he can't get people to worship him, then he will try his best to get God's people to stop worshiping God. Lucifer has always been after the worship, and so he wants to, at the very least, stop the worship of the church. And think about this, the coronavirus has greatly hindered corporate worship around the world, even today. In South Africa, churches are scared to meet even with the 250 people. They're scared to meet. And I realize that there is the balance between wisdom and faith, but I wanna tell you, maybe there's too much fear and caution and not enough faith rising in the hearts of the people of God. I was surprised this week hearing that a number of churches in the city are not yet starting to meet even with the 250. And I think God, have mercy on us. God, let faith arise in your people in the church at this point in time. Let faith arise in Jesus' name. You see, in heaven, Lucifer was in charge of worship. And uh, we know from uh, scripture and what we can read that sounds came out of him. But he became proud. He wanted the worship for himself. And as a result, God cast him out of heaven and he was eternally confirmed to that decision. But he didn't stop there. Even many years later, what happened? Here Jesus is on earth. He's led by the Spirit of God to be tempted and tested in the wilderness. And what happens in that situation? Even still then, the enemy tries to come and get worship. He tries to get worship from the Son of God. Tries to get him to bow down before him. And God would have none of that. And Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he fought back with scripture. And so it was very clear. Jesus was not gonna give in to this great desire of the devil. He said, absolutely no way. And I wanna say to you today, don't let the enemy stop your worshiping, no matter what you're facing. Don't let him stop your worshiping. I think of Paul and Silas in prison. You know, with the circumstances, they were less than ideal, but they would not let the worship be stopped. The enemy is out to get the worship of the church broken, but I believe that God is gonna do things like we've never seen before. And so I wanna declare in line with this today and this attack on worship in the corporate sense and worship in the church, I wanna declare that I believe prophetically worship will arise like never before across the face of our planet. I declare that with a sense of prophetic authority and conviction. And so I say, let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. Now let me just say this, that there's an important scripture here from John 4, verse 23. It says the following. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, you see it's about worship, 
will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And I believe that this could perhaps be the time of the greatest fulfillment of that verse of scripture that the world has ever seen. When the enemy has come in and overplayed his hand, God has said, you know what? The enemy thinks that this is like a setback, but this is gonna be a comeback for the church that worship will arise like never before on the face of the earth. Number two. When the enemy comes in, God will act in response. Think about that. When the enemy comes in, God will act in response. I believe that some people think that when the enemy comes in, when he strikes, that God sits idly by and he just observes from heaven. I wanna tell you that nothing could be further from the truth, and I wanna tell you that God will respond. Whenever the enemy comes in and tries to bring destruction, God will respond. How does he do that? He lifts up a standard against the enemy. So when the enemy comes in, God responds. Don't think that God just sits there idly by. No, God responds. And this is confirmed from Isaiah 59, verse 19. I read it to you a few days ago, and I put the comma in what I believe is the right place, and it says, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, because the Lord's power is all-powerful, it is like a flood, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And I wanna make it clear today that Jesus will not be beaten. Jesus Christ will not be overcome. He will not be outdone by the enemy. Yes, the enemy may strike the heel, but you know what? Jesus will crush his head, as the scripture says in Genesis 3 verse 15. So do you see the victory in the heart of God? When the enemy comes in, God will act in response. And isn't it wonderful to know that God will act on your behalf when the enemy tries to launch a personal attack against you and your family, against a child in your family or something like that, God doesn't sit lightly by, he will respond because he is an ever-present help in time of need. That's the God that I serve. On to number three, prayer is a critical weapon in these days. Let me emphasize that prayer is a critical weapon in these days. Do you believe in the importance and the potence and the power of prayer? I do believe in it. Now, we have been praying, and I believe that we need to keep on praying. This is not something that happens on the odd occasion, maybe once a month. This is something that we are called to as a lifestyle. And I believe that in the last days, the necessity of prayer will grow exponentially and dramatically. You might think that you pray a lot right now, I might think that I pray a lot right now, but I wanna tell you that prayer is gonna increase in these last days. It's gonna saturate the earth. The believers are gonna pray more and more because it is our lifeline to God. It is our lifeline to heaven, and prayer changes things. And now there's this verse 18 in the same chapter we were looking at, Ephesians 6 verse 18, and it talks about prayer, and it talks about it being consistently happening. It says, 
Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and pray. Would you say the word pray? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Do you see what the Apostle Paul is saying here? He's talking about a lifestyle of prayer. And this comes just after the armor of God where the different elements of the armor of God are mentioned and then the strong emphasis on prayer. Although it's not included in the armor of God, I'd wanna say to you that prayer is one of our greatest weapons of children of God. So I encourage you, pray more. Pray more, pray in your quiet time. When you put your head on the pillow at night, pray. Pray for your family, pray for our president, pray for the church, pray for Mandri and I. Pray, 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 pray. It's something that we need to be doing. And I remember our theme of last year. Do you remember our theme on prayer? Lord, teach us to pray. No doubt that was significant in what the Lord has been preparing for us for this year. And recently, there have also been a number of prayer initiatives around South Africa and around the world for that matter. And I am very encouraged because these things have just been spontaneously happening from different groups. You've seen countless online prayer meetings and some in-person uh, in prayer meetings as well. Mostly a lot of prayer meetings going on and prayer movements taking a, a step forward at this point in time. One of them, which I believe was very significant, took place in America last week, Saturday. It was called The Return. The Return in America took place. It was led by a man by the name of Jonathan Kahn. At the same time, there was also another massive prayer meeting that also took place in Washington, led by, I believe it was, Franklin Graham and a bunch of others, the Vice President of America, Vice, Pen, uh, Vice no, Mike Pence, Vice Pence. Mike Pence was there as well. And so these two prayer meetings, they were not in competition. They were complementing each other. But the one with Jonathan Kahn, uh, this Jewish man stood out for me in a special way. And there were thousands upon thousands of people gathered there for this prayer meeting. And you know what? There was significant moments of repentance that took place as the believers prayed. Some people say, well, I just wanna pray all the positive things. I don't wanna repent. You know what? I believe that repentance is very, very important when it comes to prayer. Not that you repent every time, but sometimes you need to come and you repent on behalf of your nation. If my people will humble themselves and pray and turn, what is that? That is repentance. And so I felt that this was a hugely significant event that took place in America on that very same day here in South Africa, the return South Africa took place. Many of you were a part of that prayer meeting as thousands upon thousands of people were praying here in South Africa. I had the privilege of being part of that prayer meeting it was a Zoom prayer meeting. About 22 to 25 pastors from across the country were on this prayer meeting and it was broadcast then through various media platforms and we prayed together with you for the nation of South Africa. We repented on behalf of the sins of our nation. I had the privilege together with uh, Pastor Chris Matebula from Hope Restoration Ministries 
of taking the 10 minute slot as we prayed into good governance and we prayed against corruption and we prayed against and breaking down certain things and then building up certain things. And you know what? I found it tremendously significant as we were praying together. It was a representation of different groupings of people and pastors and so on. But I couldn't help as we were praying to feel that this is powerful in God. And you know what? God has already begun to answer some of those prayers that were prayed last week, last week Saturday. Some of those prayers for South Africa. Let me tell you, are you aware that during this past week, several high-ranking officials in government were arrested for corruption? It happened during this week. Come on, you can get a little bit more excited about that. It happened right during this week. Why all of a sudden? Because of prayer. Because you see what happens is prayer creates the way into the spiritual realm. It's like a beachhead. And then as a result of that, things can manifest in the natural. Because as a nation, we've been saying, we've been crying out to God for so long, saying, God, where is the justice? Why are these men and women getting away with all these corrupt activities, enriching themselves and basically stealing? Why are they getting away with it? And you know what? Now we are seeing action in result to that. And I believe and declare in Jesus' name that there will be many, many more corrupt officials that will come to justice, that will be arrested, that will be prosecuted, and that will face criminal sentences and it will be in the righteous interests of God for our nation so that righteousness can exalt the nation. Do you see that God is working? We've waited for so long for that to happen. Now suddenly it's happening. Also, something else which I found fascinating that took place this week is do you realize that several tremors, earth tremors, took place in South Africa since that prayer meeting last week? Now you might say, John, well, aren't you being a, bit, a little bit super spiritual here? I mean, maybe that's a bit of a reach here. You know, John, I know you to be a, a very down-to-earth guy. Maybe you're a bit super spiritual. I don't believe I'm being super spiritual. Because let me tell you this. Sometimes when God is moving on the face of the earth, the physical earth shows signs of God being at work. Let me confirm it to you. Do you know that at the crucifixion, something happened in the earth right there at that point in time. What happened? There was an earthquake, more than just a tremor. There was an earthquake, rocks literally split in half, and tombs began to be opened. Wow, wow. Does God confirm his word with signs following? Yes, he does. And so I believe that those signs of the tremors that took place in our nation are a confirmation that God is at work. But we need to keep praying, child of God. You need to keep praying. I need to keep praying. Corporately, we need to keep praying. Can I get an amen? amen. Number four, God is moving in the earth and bringing revival by his spirit. Let me say that again. God is moving in the earth and he is bringing revival by his spirit. It says in Habakkuk 3, verse two, and this is a cry from the prophet saying, oh God, would you please come and bring revival? It says here, oh Lord, now I have heard your report, 
and I worship you in awe for the fearful things you are going to do. In this time of our deep need, and that's where we are, we're in a time of deep need. In this time of our deep need, begin again to help us. It's like the prophet is saying, Lord, do it again. And it goes on to say, do it again as you did in years gone by. And then the statement, show us your power to save us. And in wrath, remember mercy. And so I see a beautiful cry from the prophet. I believe that this is a cry from the hearts of God's people. And we saying, God, do it again. Work by your spirit, bring revival. Revive your work in the midst of the years and in the midst of your people. Let me just say something about this is that in America, I've watched very interesting, a very interesting thing that is happening. Some of you may know uh, the worship leader. His name is Sean Foyt. And Sean is part of um, the Bethel ministry in America. Interesting, in uh, February, I attended a conference in Johannesburg where he preached one session and he also uh, led worship. It was so lovely. And he's a really great guy. He's got this long, long blonde curly hair. And now he feels that God is also beginning to call him, call him into politics. So he's beginning the process of wanting to run for Congress and get into politics because he feels this call of God, even as a worship leader. Amazing. Now, what has happened is as there's been these uproars in America and violent protests and riots in different places, Minnesota or wherever it might be, he felt that God said, go in there, Sean, and begin to worship me and watch how I change the atmosphere. So he initially just went in with his guitar and just began a couple of them just to sing and worship and so on. And this grew and grew and grew. And now in many cities around America, thousands have come together at these hotspots of riots and violence and they are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and God is doing something amazing. And it's just wonderful because what are they doing? They bring in the atmosphere of heaven down into that atmosphere of wickedness. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so now they've begun to also worship and preach and lead people to Christ. And now they've even introduced a baptism truck, okay? So on the back of the truck, there is a baptismal pool and people are coming to Christ, getting saved and getting baptized right there. Come on, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I'm just amazed that the power of God's presence can go into these places and bring such radical change. And you know what? I believe that there are some people under the sound of my voice that God might be calling you to do the same thing. Yes, we can't do that in our own good idea. It has to be birthed from God. But what if our worship team and worship teams in the city began to come together and where there is violent protest? and looting and all sorts of things going on that we go in there and we just begin to worship the King of Kings and watch the enemy of the, the Lord in the spiritual realm be defeated. What about that? I thought I'd get a bit more of an excitement out of you in terms of that. 
Don't underestimate the power of your worship. It breaks the chains. And so in terms of God moving by his spirit and bringing revival, it says in Zechariah 4 verse six, the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel saying, not by might, nor by power, but here it is, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to change society. It is not by might nor by power. Now, number five, the last one. Be still and know that he is God. Say that with me. Be still and know that he is God. And I wanna say to you, child of God, I wanna speak to you and say to your heart, do not let your heart be troubled at this time because you know whose you are. You know who is the anchor in your life. Do not let your heart be troubled, but rest in God's sovereignty. Rest in who he is and rest in his peace and be still and know. And it says there in Psalm 46, verse 10 to 11, it says, be still, wow. Be still and know. Know by experiential knowledge and revelation that I am God. In this time of this crisis around the world, I wanna say to you, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And it's very interesting because this comes at the end of Psalm 46. And I actually think sometime I should preach on the whole Psalm 46. But there are tumultuous things busy happening. And in the context of tumultuous things, it is a case of a call where God says, no, trust in me and be still and know. And so this verse or this um, psalm, shall I say, is proclaiming God's power and God's sovereignty. And it assures us that God is our refuge, even though the nations may be in uproar. Even though the mountains may be giving way, God is our refuge and therefore we can be still and know that he is God. So child of God, would you receive these words? God is speaking them to you. The prophet is speaking at first in whatever, the second or third person and then God speaks in the first person and he says, be still and know that I am God. And I wanna to submit to you that this is a word to you today, to be still and rest in the sovereignty of God because I wanna tell you in no uncertain terms that God is still on the throne. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've shared a few prophetic thoughts with you today. I've said number one, the attack is real and it is particularly against the church and against worship. Number two, when the enemy comes in, God will act in response. Number three, prayer is a critical weapon in these days. Number four, God is moving in the earth and bringing revival by his spirit. And number five, be still and know that he is God. Amen, do you receive the word of the Lord this morning? Lord, I thank you for what you do because when your word comes to us, faith arises in our hearts.
Lord, I think of how we need to discern the days and the times and the seasons like the sons of Issachar. They could discern that. And I thank you that we too can discern what you're doing, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, folks, as we are ending off, we're going to partake in communion. Those at home, I trust that you already have the, the bread and the cup ready. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, then this table is for you. And so let me read the scripture, then we will partake in communion, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. Let me also just say at the end that there will be an opportunity for people to be prayed for at the front. And I'd like to ask the pastors and the shepherds that are here and life group leaders to the moment the service has ended, would you position yourselves around the front? Because we do realize that people are going through very real things and your church is here to put, your, put our arms around you and to love you and to pray for you. Listen to what it says. The apostle Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 to 26. Paul said, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On that night when he was betrayed, can you see the moment? On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we're doing that right now. Goes on to say in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's lift up the piece of bread, the wafer that we have in our hands. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this time of communion. Lord, as we lift up this bread before you, we know that this speaks of the body of Jesus Christ, and you paid the price for our sins as the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, the Lamb of God. As we break this, we remind ourselves of what you went, up, went through in the lead up to the cross and on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty for our sins so we could be reconciled to the Father. We thank you for the gift of salvation. And we just say, Lord, forgive us for anything that we've said or done lately that hasn't been right. But thank you for the cross, the body of the Lord broken for you. And now, Heavenly Father, as your people, we lift up the cup. What is in this cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing can cleanse us but the blood of Jesus. We honor the blood of Jesus today. Lord, we honor you for your blood. And thank you that your blood cleanses us 
from all our sin and iniquity. And we thank you that your blood ratifies the covenants that we as your children have with you. So we celebrate the work of the cross through the body and the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lord shed for you. Now just keep your eyes closed just for a few moments and would you just let gratitude come out of your heart to the Lord because He has done so much for us. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has set us up for success. We are born of God, therefore we overcome the world. And so we say thank you, Lord, for the victory that we have in you, Jesus. And as we go into this week, Lord, we go as being the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. We go in the victory of our Lord and of our King. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you.